You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Off a new year. Amen. How many people are excited for a new year? Right? Yeah. Yeah. You can get excited about that. <clears throat> Isn't there something about a, a new year? For some reason, it just, it just seems fresh. It just seems, you know, all the bad habits that we've been doing our whole life are just going to suddenly disappear because the calendar started over, right? It's kind of like when we, we start a new diet or we're going to start a new exercise regimen, it always has to be on a Monday. And if you think of the idea on a Tuesday, then you put it off till the following Monday. And I, I find it humorous every year I think through. I'm not a big uh, New Year's resolution guy, mainly because I just know myself and I know that I probably won't follow through with it. So I try to not make the goals too high, but every year it seems like a fresh start. It feels like I can start over with something new. And, and so I, I, as if, you know, this is, this is one of my favorite ones, as if I'm just going to go to Costco and only buy what I need. As if I'm going to walk, you know, this year I'm going to go in and all the money that I would get sucked into a Vitamix or... I would see some new tool, or I need suddenly five flashlights, because, babe, they're only $20 for all five. Uh, you know, I'm going to take that money and stuff it into a 401k and really, really tackle savings. I, I, I think of these habits in my life that, that I've formed over the years, and whenever it's a calendar year, I just think they're just going to disappear, and I'm going to be this new man. Well, uh, this year I've set the bar pretty low. I have a bunch of books that are partially read. I have a bunch of audio books that are partially read. So I have a friend who, a year in and year out, he's a pastor friend at West Salem Foursquare down in Salem. And for years he's been reading a book a week. That's what he just put his mind to, to read a book a week. So that's my year in goal. Uh, I was up reading scripture this morning and I realized... Every year, we want to start off getting through Scripture, and then we get to Leviticus. And then all of a sudden, we're like, ah, maybe next year. We'll try it next year. And this morning, being in Genesis chapter 5, in a genealogy, I was like, this is hard. But we'll see how it goes. Um, that's our, our New Year's. We get excited about new things, new, fresh starts. This morning, as we look at today's text, and we'll continue on from <clears throat> excuse me, from last week in Luke chapter 3, as we look at this year's, or this, this morning's text, John is the one that goes before the Lord. He is the forerunner. He is the trailblazer. He's the one that's preaching repentance. He's, he's preaching this message of turn away from those things that so easily entangle you. Turn from you running your life and turn towards God and let God run your life. Let God be in charge. And this is the message of repentance that John the Baptist is going to preach. And, and what John is going to do and, and, and the preciseness of, of repentance is that there's an action associated with it. That it's going from just not merely confessing or proclaiming. Isn't that right that this, this time of year... This is the time of year where there's many proclamations made. This year, I'm going to eat less saturated fat. 
I'm only going to go to drive through food carts or food shops or fast food once a week. I'm going to eat less sugar. There's many proclamations that we make. As, as a nation worldwide, we make these at the beginning of the year. And even to the point where we believe them. We believe what we're saying, right? We believe what we're proclaiming. But what John's saying is that you don't just proclaim it, you don't believe it, but you actually turn, you do something. There's an action step associated with our faith. And, and many can, can confess, right? John's saying that's great that you come to the waters of baptism and you confess your sins, but confession and repentance are two different things. Confession, we can come and confess that we've done something, but repentance is that we actually turn away from it. You know, in, my, in my home, I have three young kids, and as you can imagine, ranging from 12 to 7, uh, that there's a lot of action in my house. And my, my kids, when they're running through the house or they're fighting with their brothers and sisters, it, for me to bring them in and say, look, you need to apologize. You need to repent and stop acting like that. So often we get the, yeah, 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 th- sorry, 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 sorry for hitting you in the face several times. And it's like, okay, then be done doing it. And so when I turn around and five minutes later you're hitting them in their face again, that is not repentance. You said sorry to appease your father, and you just turned and did the same thing. So confession, and even you might even believe that you're sorry, but John will speak to us this morning to repent, to turn away from, that our, our steps of repentance will have an action of turning away and turning towards belief in God. And church, don't be confused. This isn't, this isn't works. This is not works for our salvation. We don't work for our salvation. Galatians is clear to us that Jesus plus anything is not salvation. Jesus alone equals salvation. Christ alone. We are justified by our faith in Jesus Christ alone. We don't work for our salvation. We work because of our salvation. We don't work for our salvation. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can give. There's nothing, there's no way to earn salvation. There's a free gift of salvation. But when we look at the fruit of our life, and as Jesus says that I will know you by your fruit, that repentance, that there's always there's always fruit associated with it. And this morning, John will meet with, uh, as he's preaching the word, as we go through our series, and in the gospel according to Luke, that's the series that we're in, and we're in the series called Jesus for Everyone. Jesus for Everyone. And this morning, as we're in Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 22, John the Baptist, if you remember from last week, he's, he's coming out and he's giving uh, his word and he's, he's proclaiming he's come from the wilderness. Remember last week we shared about he has this, probably this big beard and long hair and he's wearing a burlap sack made out of camel skin and a leather belt. And we concluded that he looks basically like most Portlanders. Uh, that's John the Baptist. And... John the Baptist is, this, is the last prophet of the Old Testament, and he's going to be the one proclaiming Jesus Christ and the coming of Christ. 
He is the one that is spoken of in Isaiah chapter 40. He's the voice calling out of the wilderness. And he's the one that will use his life to point to somebody else. He's the one that will say that there is someone greater than I that's coming. And he can save your soul. And that's the message. And, and John's message, if we look back to, to last week, remember John's opening line in verses, um, in chapter 3, verses 7, was, You brood of vipers, a.k.a. you sons of Satan. The, the, the serpent was always associated with Genesis uh, in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve fell to the serpent being deceptive. And the, the serpent is always referred to the devil. It's referred to Satan. And it's that imagery. And John, he's coming out. He looks weird. Probably smells a little weird. He eats locusts. He eats honey. He's doing enacted prophetic symbols. And he's, he's preaching this message of you brood of vipers, you sons of Satan. He goes, you think that you are children of God? You think that you're children of Abraham? God could make children of Abraham like you out of stones. And he goes on to say, the axe of judgment is laid to your roots. That's John's sermon. That is, a, that is an interesting sermon. And it seems to be working. People are being convicted by this sermon. And what John the Baptist does is he comes and he proclaims that he has the gospel, the good news. The good news translated the gospel in Greek. And Jesus, he, or in John, he comes out and he, he proclaims the bad news first. And you think about that. Think about good news really is only good if you've heard the bad. If you know What's, what's just behind the curtain or, or what the scan means. Shared with you um, before that, you know, having family members that have gone through cancer and they see that, that scan and the doctor comes in with that face that, that says something's wrong. Many in this room, you've been there or been through it with somebody. Well, we know that when after time and uh, maybe treatment or chemo or radiation, when the doctor walks in with the scan and it's clear that the good news has so much more weight because we've experienced the bad news. And John, similar, will come in and, and tell the people, you think, that you're, you think that you're just inherently children of God. You think because ethnically you were born of the right race you're born in the right demographic. You think that that automatically makes you righteous before God. But all men and women need to come to the pool of repentance. All men need to take uh, personal and, 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 and take possession of their faith. It's a free gift, but we, we must go and, and actually take the gift. It's to be received. And what good is a gift if it sits on the shelf? And so John, this is his message. He comes and he delivers this bad news that, that God's wrath is against you. That you're not just born awesome. You're not just born great. You just weren't lucky to be born in the right country or of the right ethnicity. But John's saying that you need to take personal repentance serious. And this is John's message. And then he goes, the good news is 
is there's one that's paid for your sin. There's one that is coming that will pay for the sin of all mankind. There's one that is coming that will be the ultimate sacrifice, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so John is out, and he's preaching this message. And as we go into our text, I want you to, to follow along in, in John, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. And I'll read, you follow along on your Bibles, or we have it up here on the screen. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with the one who has none. Whoever has food, do likewise, share your food. Tax collectors came up to him to be baptized, and they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also came to him, and also came to him. And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wage. As the people were uh, filled with expectation and all questioning in their hearts concerning John. Um, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, and he who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat in his barns, but the chaff he will burn away in an unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, John preached the good news to the people. This is where we will find ourselves in today's text. And just after this, if you remember last week, I touched on uh, the baptism of Jesus. And Jesus, uh, in this order, this isn't the fullest account of Jesus' baptism, but Jesus himself will partake in John's baptism. Jesus himself will come and, and as a symbol of what he would expect his followers to do, that Jesus comes and he gets baptized by John. And John's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are sinless. You are the sinless son of God. And, and this is a bigger moment than John even realizes. This is where the heavens open up and there's an audible voice and people hear that this is my son. In him I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus. And this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's this huge act that even John the Baptist is blown away by. And that is found in, these, in, the, in the next verses. But today what we want to focus on is what today's sermon I've entitled, What Now? Or Now What? We're going to look at what was happening in these verses to three different groups of people that all said, what now? What then shall we do? There's three groups of people, and if you're following along in the text, you probably noticed that there are one, crowds, there are tax collectors, and there are soldiers. There's three groups of people that are to be looked at in our text. And when we go through the text, what we're doing is we're just making observations. We're seeing there. Because when we don't understand the story in the Bible, the Bible is made up of many different stories, but it's telling one unanimous story. It's telling one story of the gospel. It's telling one story of Jesus Christ. From the beginning of the Old Testament, 
to the end book of Revelation, it's all pointing to Jesus. And as we look at a story, we want to see what's the bigger story that's unfolding. Who are the characters? Who's at play here? And here, we look at three groups of people. The crowd. The crowd, they're the the ordinary. They're the majority of the people that are listening in. They're the ones that are coming to be baptized. There's probably, um, there's probably lawyers in here. There's probably business owners. There are people that work blue-collar, white-collar jobs. There's, there's a mixed group. There's a mixed multitude of people here. And these are the group of people that you could think of them as the everyday middle class. And, and what John does is he addresses these people as kind of a catch-all, many different groups of people. And what he says to them is he says, for you, those who are coming, the crowd, the majority, what's his command to them? Give away, if you have an extra coat, give away an extra coat. If you have extra food, give away extra food. The call to the crowd, John says, is what you have. Don't just accumulate. Don't just get more and more, but live generous. Continue to, if you have extra, give to others. This, over this holiday, uh, I was studying for this scripture, and in the season of holidays, there's a lot of extra going around. My, my kids got extra gifts, uh, there's extra food, there's extra things, and there's a lot of extra of good things for most of us. And somebody had, uh, know, knows my heart, knows how deeply I love bread, and far more than I should, and it should be a New Year's resolution, but it isn't. And so somebody came, and they brought me this uh, family recipe and this loaf of bread, and, and it had little bunk cakes on the side, and it was packaged beautifully, and just, it looked beautiful, sounded delicious, and I was at home over the break, and my wife had reminded me of the bread, and I was like, great, I'll run down to my office and go grab it. So I jump in my truck, and I run on down, and on my way, uh, I, see, I, see a, I see a homeless person, and it looks like they're trying to find food, and I can see that they're, they're scouring through trash, and, and they look seemingly hungry, and right to presume so and I see them and I went by and I went huh they look like they're looking for food I keep driving my truck and I'm like ah I know what the Holy Spirit's probably doing in me right now uh, but I proceed to the church and I jump in and I, and I, I it, the bread is as good as I remember it it's packaged it's beautiful and drizzles and things on it that look delicious and I'm thinking to myself I'm picking up this huge loaf of bread with little bunk cakes and packaged beautifully. And my wife is at home making bread, making scones, making delicious, making extra. And as I drive back by, I see this person and they're still searching for food. And as you would know, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I'm like, oh, my life, this looks so good. So I pull over, and I bring, and they, they didn't seem to uh, want to interact with me, which is fine, I get it, but I just brought them my plate of food, packaged beautifully, and it might not seem like that big of a deal to you, but I really wanted to eat delicious bread. And so as I laid it down, packaged beautifully, 
and the person didn't seem to want to have any contact with me. But as I laid it there going, it's presented beautifully. There's something delicious. There's something that's given to them. I have more than enough. This is a small way of, of actually being convicted by the scripture. And so I left it for them and they cleaned out the packaging and took the bread and I had to circle back by and clean up the mess later. Um, but I was happy to do so. So the, the point to the crowd is that your repentance should look and, and that you should turn away. You should go, out of my abundance, I will continue to give. And he goes on, moves on to a next group of people and he says to the tax collector. Now the tax collectors, these people are universally hated. These are friends of nobody, even though uh, they seemed to schmooze well with Roman government and they were friends of the Romans. These people, they are uh, universally unliked. And the tax collectors of the time, what they would do is they would go on behalf of the Roman government, the, uh, the government of the time, the powering government, and they would collect taxes. But not only would they collect what they were supposed to, they went above and beyond. They overtook, they suppressed people that didn't have anything. They took more than they should have. They kept poor people poor. They continued to take and line their pockets. And Jesus speaks, or John the Baptist speaks to them and tells them to stop it. Turn from your ways. Because people are, remember, tax collectors who are universally despised are turning to the Lord. In fact, This is part of the reason why Jesus gets his reputation for being friends of sinners. That he takes on Matthew, who wrote a gospel for us, a tax collector, and Matthew was not a liked man. Uh, Many years ago, I had the opportunity uh, to work for an organization where there was a generous man that had been a very generous donor to our organization. And over the course of our, our time together, I got to hear his story. I got to hear his testimony. And his testimony, uh, he, he says that he was much like Matthew, the tax collector. And keep it together as I share his, uh, what he, the business that he created. He created the business, it is, uh, was payday loans. And I remember meeting this guy and thinking, in college, in business class, I wrote a paper how I despised these guys. They were charging between four and 900% on interest. And he had made quite the amount of money by creating this business. And then it started in Canada, then he brought it to, New- to the United States, and it started to close down, and he went online. But he made hundreds of millions of dollars. And after he had made his money, he'd gotten saved by a street evangelist, somebody out preaching the gospel, somebody telling people of the Lord, and he was convicted by the message and saved. He actually, in his book, he wrote, uh, he comes back home and he tells his parents, or his parents, his family, we're Christians now. His family are like, what? He has two teenage kids and his wife's there. And it really was like, you get him and the whole house. And he came home, we're going to church, we're Christians now. And there was an immediate conviction to him on how he'd made his wealth. And now he spent the latter part of his life just giving his wealth away. And he flies around and he, he gives a lot of money and he helps young people dispose of their money in a, a, a good way to, to share it and to be 
generous with one another, but his profession is a profession that I think all of us would say we would despise that. And, this, and, and these are the people that are being saved. And, they, and John tells them to turn from that practice and turn towards God. And the last one, the soldiers. Now, soldiers could be translated police. Soldiers, these weren't just uh, army soldiers walking around, but these were those that enforced Roman law. And it says, don't use your power, don't bully, don't use your position to overtake but instead be content with what you have. These are the three groups of people, and this is what John tells them. And notice what he doesn't tell them. He doesn't tell them, quit your job. He doesn't tell them what you're doing. Uh, you, you can no longer do that job. But he tells them to change the way that they're living, to turn to a different direction, to turn towards God. And his, his exhortation to them is he tells them, he says to be generous out of, out of, to, the, to the crowds, out of what you have of abundance. Be generous to others personally, not just, oh, I give to the offering pot or I give to this charitable gift, but, but go and give something to somebody. You see something? Be moved by the Spirit to be generous tells the other people with questionable jobs. All three of these groups don't like one another. The last two, tax collectors and soldiers, are known for being liked by the Romans. So this is a Jewish context, and they're saying, we don't like these guys. And what John says, he comes and he levels the playing ground, and he says, all of us, we might, not, we might differ on different views, we might politically align different but all of us come and we say, now what? We all come to the gospel. We all come to repentance and we turn and we say, God, now what? What is it that's in our life? And, and what I would say to us, and especially during this new year, church, when we think about this year, when we think about today's text, what does John not say? He doesn't say, you know, go quit your job. He doesn't say, turn your whole life around. He doesn't say, go sell your house. He doesn't say, go live in a monastery. Uh, He he doesn't, small, incremental changes. Small things to our life. What What is the small victory that bears fruit of the gospel? And I, and I would bring that to us today. What is it that the Lord would be speaking to us this morning? What is it that, we don't do it for our salvation, but what's something in our life that if we, we come to Scripture and we say we believe this and we want to be people that don't just merely hear this, but we do it. As James tells us, to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. What is it that the Lord would be speaking to us, church? What is it that we have that we could give out of our abundance or out of our extra my guess is that most of us are, are not tax collectors that are extorting money uh, above and beyond what we're supposed to. But, but do we see relationships? Do we see people as business opportunities? Do we see them as merely a transaction? Or do we see people as people to invest in? And the, and the third thing that the Lord really spoke to me on here in closing is to be content. He doesn't walk, John doesn't say, hey, change your whole life and 
make, make all these different steps, but he says, be content. How many of us, we, we can look at our lives and we can look at what the Lord has given us. We can look at our job. We can look at our family. We can look at our, our marriages and, and just say we're content. Thank you, God, that you give us our portion. Thank you, God, that you have still been with us. Thank you, Lord, that you have been generous to your people. So we walk away today. I want us to think about this, church. Where is it that we can be generous, that out of our abundance we can give generously to those around us, that our our spiritual eyes would be open to the needs that are around us, Would we be people that don't overtake? We would be people who are content. That this year, that we would not only just come week in and week out to hear the words, but that we would do the words, that we would respond to the gospel, that there's things in our life that we are turning from and that we turn towards Jesus. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning, church. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you that your word is good and that it's true. We thank you for this message of John the Baptist that was revolutionary 2,000 years ago and it still is today. God, would you, would you remind us, as Pastor Ron reminded us this morning in prayer that we would be people who are just thankful and filled with gratitude. Would we be people who respond to your word? That when we hear this word, Lord, that it wouldn't just be another sermon, another talk from a stage, but God, that it would be piercing to our hearts, that it would compel us to turn from uh, unhealthy habits in our life and turn towards you, that we would turn away from being king and lords of our own life and turn towards you being king of our life. God, I thank you that you are good and that you have given us your word. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.